Hello and welcome to the Special Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. I'm Father Adam Potter, a priest of the Diocese of Pittsburgh. Today we reflect on the fourth letter. Wow, this letter, it's incredible. It's all about prayer. And I wish we could have a whole hour-long podcast on this, and I promise I won't do that here. But this is such an important letter with incredible insights into the spiritual life. And hopefully you've noticed this. Uh, I may or may not have commented on this yet, right? But every single line of C.S. Lewis's work is not wasted. It's just packed with meaning and emphasis and different nuances. And so I've been praying about the best way to go through this book with you all. And it's overwhelming to think about just how much content there is. So um, thanks for bearing with me and hope, hopefully um, we'll get the most out of this in a, um, yeah, in as condensed a way as possible. I want to start off and just invite you to remember that our focus isn't on the demons here, but our focus is on God. So I wanted to start with a prayer from Psalm 44, just reminding us who God is. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You are my King and my God, who ordained victories for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down our assailants. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to confusion those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, praise the Lord. So in this fourth letter, we see Screwtape advising Wormwood on how to attack his patient in prayer. He's apparently offended by the response of Wormwood to his last letter about, about prayer. And so he comes to clear the issue of, um, my dear Wormwood, here's how you are a fool um, working with his patient. Remember who the patient is? He's a, a young adult convert. This is in the 40s. So this is the time of World War II. And here we just have a couple insights into uh, the prayer and the ways that the evil one is attacking us in prayer. So in that first, the first uh, attack that we see is a screw tape says, make sure that you keep him from serious intention of praying altogether. Emphasis on intention, the willingness to choose it, but also on serious attention. Notice he says, keep on praying like a child with those parrot-like prayers. Parrot-like, right? Think of a parrot, just kind of like, glory be to the Father and to the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? Maybe we think of rote prayers, just like those prayers, um, prayers to your guardian angel, whatever that is. Are rote prayers bad? We need to say no, right? And C.S. Lewis isn't saying that, oh, these childlike prayers are, are really simple and foolish and, and aren't good. For, that's not what he's saying, but he's saying as an adult, sometimes it's tempting to keep praying as we were whenever we were in fifth grade, saying those same prayers without actually growing in our intentions. Why am I saying this? And also with our minds, what am I saying here? Right? And so to think about how we pray would be a really good thing. Like, is there any difference in my prayer life from when I was in grade school or religious ed and how I'm praying now? Are, is my heart and my mind engaged in this? 
So the temptation then is to move from, oh, those are childlike prayers, praying to my guardian angel or the souls in purgatory or the Hail Mary. And so I'm going to be really adult-like and I'm going to pray something original and spontaneous and quote, from the heart. But this is dangerous because it focuses more on the mood, on our mood, right? And it sacrifices the real concentration of the will and the intellect. See, do you get this? right? We so like to say, it's one or the other. It's like, I'm just going to stick to the prayers that I know are good, or maybe I'm just going to go to the prayers that come from my own heart. And both can be dangerous because on the one hand, with the emotional prayer, just saying something spontaneous or original, we can depend more and more on our own feelings, on our own creativity, and maybe less on what it is that we're actually saying. And that's where um, Screwtape will quote this, um, who is, he? is a poet, Coleridge, talking about them, encouraging them to indulge a sense of supplication without moving lips and bended knees. I love this. This is why I love being Catholic, because our prayer is meant to engage the entire body. Um, so whenever we go to mass, whenever we go to pray at all, how often is it that we actually engage in the body postures? of kneeling, of standing, of sitting in an intentional way that throughout the mass, those are all meant to reflect a posture that's not just exterior, but a disposition that's interior. And so, uh, yeah, how often whenever we go to prayer, do we just want to be comfortable? Do we just want to, I don't know, pray in a a comfy lounge chair or sit down in the pew and um, get to a place where we just feel really good? And forgetting the fact that our exterior posture, being on our knees, is a powerful reflection to our hearts and souls of supplication, of begging God. And standing in prayer is actually one of honor and reverence and even of readiness to respond. So all of these things matter. And this is where, gosh, the evil one is on the move. Quote, it's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. Keep out of our minds the idea of our external body posture, position, makes a huge difference. Keep that out. Make them forget that and allow them to keep uh, referring to their own selves. So I love this, right? I was looking at St. Paul to the Ephesians, and he really calls his people. Uh, This is Ephesians chapter 4. 22 to 23, put off the old man that belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful lusts. So put off that former manner of life, the way you used to live as a child, as a pagan, um, whenever you were just concerned with your own self, your own flesh, and be renewed, says St. Paul, in the spirit of your minds and put on the new man created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So how do we do that? Gosh, maybe we'll we'll look at the opposite side. We'll look at the the film of the enemy. Here's the the second tactic that Screw Tape says. Okay, if that doesn't work, go to a more subtle misdirection of intention. Move them away from God and towards themselves. Quote: Keep them watching their own minds and trying to produce feelings there by the action of their own wills. 
I heard an exorcist uh, recently talking about how demons can give a lot of really good feelings, right? (laughs) That um, we care a lot about our feelings and demons don't care at all, but they will use our feelings against us to even allow good feelings uh, to be produced within us. Demons can actually make us feel really, really loved, right? St. John of the Cross says, whenever you have a good feeling in prayer, ignore it. Ignore it, right? And Screwtape will say this too. It can also just be that we have these good feelings because we're feeling well or ill, fresh or tired at the very moment, right? So feelings can be very deceiving. And here's the here's the attack, right? The attack is to make us, instead of praying for courage, to make us try and conjure up a feeling of, of being courageous, of being bold. Instead of praying for true charity and love, make us feel very generous and loving. This, I don't know where, where you're at. I remember the first time I read this, I was like, oh, <laughs> I, how do I pray? Like so often, right? Just in, in my insecurity to go to, to go to the Lord in prayer can be really hard. And very vulnerable. And all of a sudden, the silence of that prayer, whether it's in church, in the chapel, or in the silence of my room, can be very haunting. Like, what do I cling to? Where do I look for? What am I doing? What am I relying on to help me know that I'm not just crazy? I'm not just saying these empty words, or I'm not just wasting my time. And so to look to feelings is a really tempting way to go. And their feelings aren't bad but we learn they are deceiving. And so we see that what we're invited to is the movement to the objective side of prayer, right? To keep our minds focused on praying for charity, praying for love, praying for courage. Here's what St. Paul says to the Colossians. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience, forbearing one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And over all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Friends, in short, it's about praying for these things and then living them out, acting them out. Um, we'll see more of these um, insights as we as we go along, but um, hopefully that that's helpful in terms of really having a focus on what we're praying for and not just on conjuring up these emotions and feelings. This goes to our our next final tactic of the evil one. Here, Screw Tape talks about. Okay, let's go to a a more subtle misdirection of intention. He talks about. Um, moving away from God as he is and towards a childish, a childish or superstitious image of who he is. A good question for us is what's our image of God? Even Screwtape admits the incarnation has been a great folly to him against this, trying to give us a false image of God. Because we have an incredible image of God in the very person of Jesus Christ But what's our image even of that? What's our image of Jesus Christ? So often this person, this radical, strong, fierce person of Jesus Christ has just been domesticated and sterilized and sanitized and become very, very safe. 
St. Paul warns against this. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Right, so what's that mean? Gosh, who's Jesus? Do you remember the, the bracelets and the slogan, what would Jesus do? Right, like that means that it's not out of the question that he would go into the temple, flip over tables and drive out the money changers with whips. It's like, who's Jesus? Like he's a crazy, fierce lover pursuing his bride at all costs. And he is incredibly angry at anyone that would take us away from him, from worship. I think about the way that he condemns those who would cause a little one to stumble. May they have a millstone tied around their necks and thrown into the river. You're like, Jesus, that's not very nice. It's like, right, he's not nice, but he's good and loving. How about the father? What's our image of the father? Like, and this is where we can have a lot of images of a, an old man with a gray beard sitting up in an old rocking chair, just reading us nice stories by the fire. It's like, his love is fierce. His love is strong and able to move mountains. How about the Holy Spirit? It's depicted as an unconquerable, all-consuming fire, right? There's nothing comfortable about these images. Ah, oh, but Screwtape would love for his patient, for Wormwood's patient, to be distracted on the comfortable images that he had as, as a child of, of who God is. He warns, if he ever comes to make the distinction, if he ever consciously directs his prayers, not to what I think thou art, but to what thou knowest thyself to be, our situation is for the moment desperate. Oh, for us to really focus on who God is, as he is in himself, and not just as we project our image of who we want God to be, this God who always affirms us, always tells us, no, 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 you're, you're trying really hard or you're doing really well. <laughs> Sometimes God isn't always just giving us a thumbs up or a round of applause saying, you're awesome. <laughs> God loves us as we are, but he also loves us enough not to let us stay where we are, that God draws us deeper and deeper, not into our own selves, but into him and his love and his life. This is why I love this idea of the real nakedness of the soul in prayer. What is that? What is this real nakedness of the soul in prayer, right? For me, that's the image of coming before the Lord in prayer and being honest, like having the real Father Adam showing up, like to really pro propose, Lord, here's who I am. Here's where I'm at. This is what's going on in my life. And I lay myself before you. I'm not just going to say everything's good because this is what I think you want to hear. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm going to allow, allow myself to be seen by the infinite God of love and perfect truth and justice and allow that to be displayed in full vulnerability to take that risk. And that's scary sometimes. But it's in that that I'm able to find myself seen and known and loved by the God who is perfect love. This is real nakedness. Vulnerability comes from the word vulnus, meaning wound, right? It takes a risk to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, wounded before God so that he might see us in our brokenness and all of our messiness and love us as we are. Last question. Why are the demons helped by, that, by the fact that we don't want this as much as we suppose? They're encouraged by this, right? That we think we want this, and yet we don't realize how much we want this. 
Um, our souls are made for intimacy with God. Our souls are made for union with God, not just our souls, our entire bodies. And so this can be overwhelming whenever we come to these moments of, yeah, real openness, real risk, allowing ourselves to be before him in that, uh, what do I want to say? I'm just thinking about how silence can be really deafening and intimidating. But do not despair, right? Here, maybe a couple antidotes for prayer, some advice. I think it would go a really long way to focus on practicing the presence of God, to put ourselves in his presence. He's always present to us, but so often we're only present to ourselves and what's going on with our really important life. So to practice putting ourselves in his presence. Who is he? Who is this God? And can I worship him? Can I put my mind and focus it on him and put my will on intentionally, seriously being before him? Meditating on scripture is really important because we come not to be self-referential and how am I feeling? What do I think about God? But I read the scriptures so that I can have a full, accurate depiction of who God is and meditate on him through his word. A third piece of advice is just ongoing faith formation. I can't tell you how many people I've come across that uh, will come to a class or a Bible study or whatever it is and say, wow, I never learned that. It's like, right, me too. You know, there's so much out there that I've never learned and I continue to learn. And so the more that we know about God, the more that we can love God. The more that we know God, the more that we can love him. And finally, to look at the fruits of prayer and not just the feelings in the moment is so important. How do I know that that was a good time in prayer? It's like, instead of looking, did that feel good? Did I feel loved? Did I feel comforted? Did I feel courageous? Look at the fruits. After that holy hour is over, do I have an increase in faith? Do I have an increase in hope? Do I have an increase in love? Am I more generous? Am I more kind? Am I more patient? Am I more generous? Am I more self-controlled? Do I have more peace? Right? These are the fruits of prayer. And if I don't have these, then maybe I'm not praying right. Right? That's how the discernment of prayer should actually go as opposed to just the being reduced to the feelings in the moment. As I said, there's so much here. So gosh, thanks for, um, yeah, thanks for joining me. Maybe I would invite you to, to reread that chapter again. It is so good. It is so power packed. And just to be able to really reflect and ask yourself, yeah, how do I pray? And how's the Lord inviting me to prayer to go up against the, the different attacks of the evil one to distract us more towards ourself, away from God into a false image of God. Um, so let's close with, with a prayer and just invoking with great intention and knowledge, the great archangel, St. Michael. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. If you'd like to support the work of Drybones Ministries, please visit drybonespgh.org. Let's keep praying for one another. I look forward to being with you tomorrow. God bless you.